Imagine all of your professional or career goals coming true, and you built a business that had a great brand and employed hundreds or thousands of people. But within a span of a few short years, it was completely gone. That's what's happening in American business these days, and we want to know why. Welcome to Brandology Podcast, where we discuss the rise and fall of great brands. It's your culture, finances, marketing, and leadership. It's your brand. Protect it. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Isn't that amazing how that works? Yes. <laughs> Asking about local ingredients and, and food topics, people get extremely proud, and it doesn't conflict anything, and it's really really fun. So people say, oh, how many languages do you speak? Oh, I speak food. It's welcome globally. You can go anywhere on the globe if you speak food. Yeah, it's really yeah. the way to, uh, the, the, the way to um, learn and, and, and envelop yourself into a new culture, right? Like just yes. by speaking food, learning about the different food. I yep. mean, that's, that's some of the best part. That's cool. Yeah. Car- I see and Carlos. Speaking of, yes, speaking of good food from Italian. Yeah, Carlo. <laughs> um, welcome to the Brandology Podcast. Uh, we have a special guest, Carlo, with us today. And um, um, in the studio as well is my co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you? Hello, hello. Very well, thank you. Good, sir. So, Carlo, welcome, sir. Thank you very much. Very glad to be here with you guys. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us today. So, um, you know, in the podcast, we like to talk about brands. We like to talk about... Um, leaders and leadership methods and things like that. And we're grateful that you're here. Um, so if you could just kind of tell the li- listeners, you know, who you are and what is your organization, what do they do? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm CEO of uh, Gorilla Corporation and uh, we've been around for a long time, for about 20, uh, 28 years. Um, and we've been leading the pack insofar as driving better channel practices. So we are essentially a global channel development agency. Uh, we were actually the first of our kind. And uh, uh, we kind of uh, invented ourselves that way because uh, originally, at the very start, actually, we were a pan-European market research company. And um, our clients, um, including Konica Minolta at the time, Minolta and Konica separately, would come to us and would say, well, Carlo, can you guys kind of research what kind of uh, dealers we would need? Uh, in those days, everybody was called a dealer, right? Right. right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, eventually, you know, we we uh, you know we, we tweaked it, we clocked it, and we thought, you know, this is this is uh, there's real business here. So we pivoted back in 1999 uh, from being a pan-European market research agency into becoming the first ever channel development agency, and uh, we never looked back. I mean, we've had exponential growth ever since. That's uh, and fantastic. congratulations yeah that's great thanks guys and that was actually at that time that's when we moved over to the states um because we thought you know we want to be really there where it matters we want to be in silicon valley we want to be at the you know we want to be part of the heartbeats of the technology sector and and that's where you're currently based correct correct yeah so just for the for the listeners that may or may not know um can you just kind of define what you mean by like a channel partner? Like what is the channel? Yeah, so so the channel is, uh, 
I, it's just an it's just an, such a fascinating thing. I, I, I never stop being amazed by how fascinating and complex this whole thing is. Essentially, if you look at the technology sector, it's seventy uh, percent of the technology business worldwide is driven through uh, basically resellers and wholesalers of technology. So not all that business is done direct. And it's done through an infinite, almost an infinite amount of partners. Uh, there are probably, you know, perhaps a, a million partners uh, in the world uh, that, of, of different sizes that specialize in different things. Uh, that act as trusted advisors to their clients. And uh, all of the big brands that we know of uh, in the technology industry, ranging from IBM to uh, Google to anybody that you can think of virtually, uh, sells through these folks, uh, Cisco, etc. Because, um, you know, uh, the, the global market is a very wide, large place. It's huge. Uh, and you could never have a direct sales force that is big enough and vast enough to cover uh, the opportunity. And so, even if so you like did. Hewlett Packard's, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but look, what you mean is like Hewlett Packard, right? You don't yeah. call up Hewlett Packard and ask them about their current printer. You might, but in right. general, you're going to buy that device through somebody locally in your community, right? Exactly. Exactly. You'll go. You'll go to your usual uh, trusted advisor, your IT outsource guy, and you bring him in. And this is probably maybe the same guys that do your networking, that set up your Ethernet cables in the office. You know, it might be them, and they might uh, set up your server, uh, set up your data center, whatever you need. If you're a small company, just uh, sell you laptops for your team. Um, that's that's why the channel exists. And even if you go and buy your stuff directly from the website, if you go to Dell.com, at the end of the day, when it comes to actually implementing it at your company and setting it up the way you want, you just can't do all of that by yourself. It's not, not the, the smartest move. So you would always want to rely on your trusted uh, IT guy or your trusted outsource guy to come in and help if you're a small business. If you're a bigger business, you have an inside IT department, but they would also have augmentation through professional services companies that would come in and help them with specialized projects. Great. What could you point to maybe, because I, I know you've been doing this a long time, um, was there anything early on in your career that maybe kind of prepared you for this or pushed you in that direction? So um, early on in my career, I was, uh, I went in um, into information systems engineering um, I felt it was the future. Uh, that was, that's a long time ago now. It's back in 1988. And uh, that was my career choice. Uh, I didn't really know what it meant. Um, and, but I felt that it Black was... screens, green letters. You know. <laughs> that's, that's actually what it was. Right? I remember that. I was in school then. I was black screens, like green letters and numbers. And I was like, who's going to need that? And I yeah. walked right past it, right? And I was like, man, could I have... I wish I did what Carl would yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i went into that uh and it was interesting i, I kind of uh, i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it i ended up uh, specializing in artificial intelligence oh. and uh i my first job was uh, with philips electronics in their ai department and that was interesting it was futuristic but it was also kind of a wake-up call to the fact that actually programming can be quite tedious and it's not for everybody true, true. and i realized that um although i was doing it um I had a chance whilst I was working on Philips to actually um, have a go at, uh, um, at sales and marketing and I loved it. I completely loved it and I thought, you know what, I want to carry on. I love the technology business, but I want to do more of this marketing stuff. 
So I went back uh, to school. I got myself a postgrad diploma in marketing. And I thought, wow, this is just, I was galvanized. This is, this is my future. This is my career. This right. is what I want. <laughs> and, uh, and I set up my first company right there and then, uh, at the age of 23, right after that. Oh, what, what was that called? And what, what, what did you do? So your first, your first swim in the pool of like entrepreneurship was at age 23, you started your own yeah. company. You kind of recognized that need of blending technology and marketing. What, what, yeah. what, what was it? So no, that was so that was the very first company. It was called Intelligency because it was a market research company that did that provided intelligence as an agency to the uh, technology sector. And um, at the very beginning, the the uh, focus really our, our core uh, customers were the ones that had printing technology or imaging technology. Hence, Konica, Minolta, Canon. Right. Yeah, that's something like us. Right. Yeah, Mark, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then uh, and then from there we moved on and pivoted to the whole big wide world of software, hardware. Um, and, uh, and nowadays we really focus on, uh, cybersecurity, AI and, um, robotic process automation and, uh, data center technology and cloud, especially. And did you ultimately sell that company off or blend uh, it with another or merge it? So I, I kind of have this, uh, thing of, uh, moving on and then buying it back. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a unique strategy, yeah. Carlo. That's, I uh, like to hear about that. Yeah, I did it twice. Uh, so that first time I moved on. Uh, I created a new company uh, called uh, uh, Advanced Alchemy. Okay. And, uh, and Advanced Alchemy was the pivot. It was a, the first channel agency. And then uh, I went back and bought Intelligency back into Advanced Alchemy. Uh, I still retained some shares in there, so it was quite an easy uh, buyout. And, uh, and that gave me, um, uh, it gave me a, a huge booster. Uh, it gave me, like, uh, when I bought the company, I had, uh, first of all, staff, case studies, the whole history of the company, um, the uh, fleet of company cars. I mean, it was phenomenal. Um, and of course, all of our servers uh, that I had worked on for years. So there was a lot of intel in there. So that was a great buyout. Uh, and then I did a su subsequent uh, uh, buyout again when I sold Advanced Alchemy. It was probably around 2003. Um, maybe a little bit, yeah, 2003, and I went to live in uh, in, in Ethiopia um, to do the giving back part of uh, my career. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I didn't think you went there because that's the technology hub. Uh, no, like that. That is that is where. So so like you obviously, you had had a series of success, and then you felt social responsibility to kind of yeah. go back. So that's phenomenal. So tell tell us about that. Tell us what. Yeah. So, so here's the story. So I'm half half Italian and half Ethiopian. That's my background. Wow, oh, that's great. That's cool. Yeah, I was born and brought up in Italy, and um, and my mother uh, is the Ethiopian one. And um, my mother actually comes from the Ethiopian um, royal family, the famous Haile Selassie. You know that the Rastafarians wow. like. You know the Rastafarians are called Rastafarians because uh, his the, the name of the old emperor of Ethiopia was Rastafari. Ah, <laughs> Ras meaning uh, leader, and Tafari meaning was his sort of Christian name, as it were. Hey everyone, hope you're enjoying this episode. We try and make this a podcast which we ourselves want to listen to. We want it to be good. We welcome suggestions, ideas for topics, or even suggested guests to be interviewed. Help us make this something great. Imagine all the work you do every day being featured on a podcast which really emphasizes the meaning of why you do what you do. Something shining a spotlight on all of your effort. This is that place. This is that podcast. 
Reach out to our team with suggestions or if interested in advertising at brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com. Brandologypodcaststaff at gmail.com for details. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And now back to the episode. Anyway, so uh, we're connected to that side. And um, when I was a kid uh, in 1974, there was a vicious um, communist revolution, which actually was a very pivotal point in my life. So during that time, um, our life was turned upside down, uh, frankly. And uh, a lot of people in our Ethiopian family were sentenced to death. Uh-huh. Others were imprisoned. Um, others were being hunted uh, uh, down um, by uh, assassins that wanted to wipe out everybody that was from the former royal family. Wow. So, uh, and at the so it was a personal tragedy and a family tragedy. Uh, but at the same time, it was also uh, seeing the country go to its knees because that came with a cultural revolution. Uh, and so therefore, everybody that had an education was uh, shot dead as part of the Cultural Revolution. It was vicious. Uh, and then, of course, hence thereafter in the 80s, there was famines. And, and mm-hmm. you know, Bob, Bob Geldof uh, went in with a live aid and all that. Right. So I grew up in that kind of environment. Um, mm-hmm. Although I was safely in Italy, um, still it was the, the background. It was like half of my family's life imploded and sure. our country was demolished. And so... Uh, not only did I feel that a sense of responsibility somehow as a growing kid, but it was also ingrained on me. Uh, and the the uh, adults, if you like, uh, were kind of pressuring me a little bit, you know, and saying, "Look, Carlo, you're the future. You got to fix this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you grow up, you're gonna fix this, aren't you?" And uh, you know, maybe it was a little bit too much pressure to put on a kid, but that's how it was. And so as I was growing up, I really took that to heart. And I said, yeah, I'm going to fix this. And one day I'm going to fix it. And, uh, and as I sort of became a little bit more mature and commercially mature, I thought, you know, the most effective thing I can do to fix that country or any country that is in distress is to drive uh, economic development, is to drive entrepreneurship. That's the fix. You know, it's not about sending out bags of rice. It's about empowering the people and giving folks the hope that they can achieve the same level of opportunity as everybody else in the rich world. That's exactly uh, right. Because because otherwise we're just we're just feeding them fish as opposed to teaching them how to fish, right? I mean, exactly. that's the whole point, right? That's exactly right. And, and furthermore, it's it's actually respecting their human dignity. Um, right. You know, yep. it's much more uh, honorable to earn your way and to learn mm-hmm. how to do that. Rather than to be uh, given some um, some 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 uh, uh, peasant, you know, money, some like charity, you know? right? Exactly. It, you know, sure that can help, but it's a means to an end. The the real the real work is in uh, supporting folks and having in in having that self dignity and that uh, ability to raise themselves and their country out of distress. So that's what I did over there in Ethiopia for a long time. I lived out there. Did you establish well, schools out there, or how did yeah. you do it? Yeah, yeah. So my first my first uh, trip was really an analysis. Uh, it was the first time that you know we were allowed back as a family. It was much after it was after the Berlin Wall came down, so the communism had uh-huh. finished. So um, yeah, I went in and uh, I, I saw that folks were smart, and uh, and so I thought, you know what, I want to teach them to do what I've done, and uh, um, and I figured the things that have really helped me are. One, an understanding of uh, business. One, 
uh, an understanding of uh, uh, of uh, technology, but but not like an in-depth uh, programming technology. Uh, just how do you use LinkedIn? What's LinkedIn? Right. What, right. right. Uh, how do you use social media? How do you use uh, Microsoft Office? What is it? You know, all these things are brand new for these folks, right? Mm -hmm. So this this was a fundamental. Uh, um, an understanding of business practices is fundamental. And the third thing was English, speaking English, because mm -hmm. otherwise I'm lost forever and you're lost in your own country. And uh, had I not spoken English, had I not learned how to speak English as a, as a young person, I wouldn't be here today. Right? I'd be stuck at home in Rome, um, you know, wondering what to do. Um, because speaking English is inter it's an international language. You can't, you can't, you cannot do so much without it. It's just so important. So I created uh, um, 11 entrepreneurship academies uh, across the nation. And um, uh, two of which were dedicated to um, uh, people with uh, um, uh, impaired uh, sight. And um, and so, yeah, uh, we've managed to take thousands of people out of poverty through that uh, uh, through that scheme, and it's been immensely successful. That's fantastic. Appreciate you sharing that. That's it's really it's inspirational and, and very uh, great to hear about somebody giving back and, and giving back for the right reasons and in the best way possible. With with your vast life experience and, and all of the things that you've been through and the challenges. Can you really point to, to any one challenge that you think is one of your biggest challenges that you've ever had to face? Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, uh, the, the uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a really uh, good question. I'm gonna answer that differently. So for me, uh, what really, the biggest challenge was the end of that period in Ethiopia. Because I went in as a very wealthy individual, having just sold my business, right? right. Uh, I went in with uh, the power that my liquidity offered uh, and the ability to create stuff and the ability to then use that as a foundation to um, get additional funds in from like Microsoft and other companies that were my clients that suddenly said, oh, we love what you're doing, Carlo. Let's uh, chip in. Let's help you achieve that. Uh, eventually, my personal money dried up. So by the end of my period in Ethiopia, I, I really had run out of money. Mm -hmm. And as I ran out of money, I ran out of the ability to uh, have an impact at the political level, like I did when I had money. Right. Uh, and, and suddenly, I just, uh, uh, you know, I just lost a lot of uh, um, ability to uh, impact just because I had uh, run out of money. And with that, you kind of lose a little bit of uh, respect as well right. when you don't have it. And so that, that was the time, that was what my way. What period was this? Well, what, do you mind just, if I just ask, like what period was it? Was this like, cause you went so, to Ethiopia in 2003, was this 2008? Yeah, by the end of 2008, early 2009, David, I didn't have two coins to rub together. Oh my God, neither wow. did, yeah. Mark and I were in industries where that collapsed. In we, we 2008, had the world, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that affected both of us that, as well, for real estate. Well, yeah. You see, what I did is that I, I really wanted to, I'm one of those obsessive people that it's, a, it's kind of all or nothing, right? right? So if I'm going to do something humanitarian, I do it full on. Right. And I do it, I, I spend my last dollar on it, which I did. And as a matter of principle, I'm not, I created a nonprofit organization I was never salaried by the organization, mm -hmm. um, so I had no income, and I didn't want to have an income because I didn't want anybody to say, "Well, what are you getting out of it, Carlo?" Right. 
It's nothing. I'm getting nothing out of it. I wanted to be pure to the cause. And so eventually I, I ran out of money. And so that was in 2009. And that's when I decided, uh, look, guys, uh, my daughter was was at that point uh, living in New Zealand, uh, being, you know, she was ready to go to university. I had to drum up some extra cash. And so I thought, you know, uh, enough, uh, enough Mother Teresa work for now. You got to go and recreate yourself yeah. uh, because otherwise you won't go very far at this point. And so that was my motivation to come back to the rich man's world uh, in 2009, at the end of 2009, and create Gorilla. So what I did is I, I tapped up some of my old customers from uh, my previous company, Advanced Alchemy, uh, brought them in as uh, partners, and um, and uh, the company took off uh, really rapidly uh, on the back of all of my old contacts and the good work that we had done before. People remembered us, and. Um, and so we had a flying start. We kicked off the company in uh, in, in in England, in uh, Guildford, south of London, and then uh, rapidly after that, like immediately after that, we thought, okay, this is going to be a great success. So we created a company in Delaware as our holding company, yeah. and now we're a group of uh, we're a group of I don't know how many companies. Uh, we've got locations uh, all over the world. We have locations in uh, South Africa, in uh, Australia. And we bought, we made uh, a couple of acquisitions lately. We bought a software company in the Netherlands. We bought a digital marketing agency in, in England. Um, uh, so yeah, we've grown so much. Our, our, our main production office is out in Dallas, Texas. Uh, we have a team out here in San Francisco and, uh, and overall we are a Delaware based company. That's phenomenal. <laughs> now, have you taken any of these public? Not yet, but uh, we do have plans to take Gorilla public one day. Wow. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very bullish about it. Yeah. And had you, you hadn't taken any of the, the prior ones and like the ones back in, um, uh, in the nineties and the eighties when you. Oh, when they were all, uh, uh, privately owned private, and, right. and uh, privately sold. Yeah. That's what I thought. I just, I, I'm, I'm just checking. Okay. So, uh, so okay, there's so much I want to ask you about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So I love the fact that that you were all or nothing, right? And you did it in a pure form. Right? Yeah. When you were gonna give and you were gonna give back, you did that. You did the nonprofit. You didn't draw a salary. You did things the right way. And yeah. you know, it's 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 what happens. But I mean you have the ability obviously to to build, right? You're able to to do it not once, not twice, but like three times and now multiple times internationally. Yeah. So that's just, that's absolutely phenomenal. I, I love building. I love yeah. building. It's, it's what it's all about, right? It's like a big, it's like a big Lego, it's like the world life is like a big set of Lego blocks <laughs> and you're just like, what do we build now? You just, yeah. you just keep building it up. So yeah. can we ask what, what inspired you? Like what events, I mean, I, I know, You've listed a couple of them, but like, is there a, is there a, a person that, that mentored you or that inspired you to kind of have this drive? Hmm. Uh, so I, 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 I didn't have uh, any sort of business leaders in my family. There was never, there was never that, that inkling in any of, uh, of my, uh, forefathers. Um, however, my, <laughs> Uh, Ethiopian grandfather, I think he left uh, me with a lot of uh, himself somehow, and I, and I feel that he was uh, he was a, an army general, and he was actually the guy that stopped uh, 
the Italian armed forces from colonizing Ethiopia during Benito Mussolini's time. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, so he he was a very very proud warrior, and uh, uh, what what he had was this incredible inner strength, and uh, the ability to fight against uh, uh, incredible adversity. Because of course the Italian uh, army was uh, so much better equipped; uh, they had the force of uh, Allied forces at mm -hmm. the time. This is back in 1936. Uh, so they had an immense military strength in numbers and in uh, and in equipment. Uh, but he put up a really good fight, uh, and uh, thanks to him, Ethiopia is one of the is in fact the only African country that was never ever colonized. Um, and so I don't know if it's that history or there's just some of that of his DNA in me. But uh, I think that his uh, determination and leadership qualities have come, oh, have always really inspired me, frankly. Um, and like I said, there was never nobody in our family ever went into business, so I was the first one. And in fact. Uh, uh, you know, everybody was kind of counseling me against the idea. I'm like, are you sure? It's uh, it's going to be dangerous, Carlo. If you go into business, you'll get screwed. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but I, I did it anyway. And uh, uh, yeah, sure. It's been it's been a roller coaster. Uh, but I've never looked back. I love it. I love what I do. What do you think? With all that that you've done, everything that you've achieved, and everything you've gone through in life, that's that's made you the person you are is where do you where do you see the future what do you, what's next where are you going next i'm glad you asked that question so um i've uh, just uh, we've just launched a, a brand new think tank uh in san francisco and it's called the tortora bride partnership excellence and uh, it's uh, going to be focused on partnerships so i kind of got the inspiration when i was uh, working in africa because of the good work that we get that we did with the uh, nonprofit and the uh, recognition that we got from the Ethiopian government, uh, we then got recognition also from the World Economic Forum. And I was invited at the time to be a, uh, a, a special constituent on the World Economic Forum for many, many years in a row, uh, focusing on Africa in particular, because that was my hotspot at the time. And I was focusing on technology and innovation in Africa and how that can change the world. Uh, over there as well, and uh, so I, I, I thought this the World Economic Forum is a fantastic organization. It really is. It's one of those uh, organizations that not many people really truly understand. The work they do is superb, um, and uh, of course they do they, they work on a on a global level where all the presidents of the world go and they meet. And I have the good fortune to meet a lot of. Uh, very powerful and important uh, uh, country leaders at the time. I've met so many uh, really interesting people, ranging from Gorbachev to uh, so 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 many over the years, right? Um, and um, and and so what I thought is I like the format of that organization, and I thought it would be so nice to create something smaller, something small and compact that really works uh, at elevating what we currently do as Gorilla up to the next level, right? So mm -hmm. you know, really taking the purity of the concept of what is it to partner? What does a partnership mean? Because we, we talk about it in our terms, and I know you guys understand when I refer to channel, um, but it's really the, behind that is the ethos of partnering. Uh, you know, how do we elevate that? How do we take that to another level? Um, how do we, for example, also involve government uh, in, in like private and public uh, partnering? For example, I started to look into it and I saw 
um, I decided to focus on the technologies that are core to me, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence and RPA, um, data center, uh, cloud and uh, hyperconverged infrastructure. Those are three hot areas. So for these very, very interesting areas, what are the bigger opportunities outside of what we see regularly? How do we better align with the United States government and their uh, mandates? The US government writes a fantastic cybersecurity strategy every year or every couple of years, I don't know. I've read the last one and it, and it talks about um, supporting the private sector, supporting innovation, um, trying to uh, try to reduce the um, capacity gap in terms of cybersecurity talent. Because right now we have a major shortfall, nowhere near enough. Right. There's 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 negative um, uh, unemployment in the U.S. for 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 cybersecurity engineers. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And this and similarly for uh, some of these other segments that I described. So I thought, okay, let's create a think tank, and let's uh, bring together on the table industry leaders and government uh, specialists uh, of, uh, on these topics, and let's let's have dialogues. And let's create actionable plans that can enable uh, the private sector to be supported. For example, um, the U.S. government didn't say that yet on the cybersecurity strategy, but the British said said it on the cybersecurity strategy for the United Kingdom. And what they said is, we want to uh, we we want to use the full might of the British uh, procurement uh, uh, arm of government to buy as much as possible from our domestic industry so that we can secure and stabilize the financial position of all our of all these companies and we want to help promote their international trade with our allies that kind of thing the u.s also says but at, at the at the crunch point and you guys know it you you live the industry just like we do uh, there isn't so much guidance in how to actually do it and how to get uh cyber vendors and partners to trade internationally and to and to cross-pollinate with allies right it's done in silos right it's done in individual silos right so we're going to bring it to the surface and we're going to talk about it and we're going to unite civil society uh government uh channel and vendors uh and so that's that's the next big thing uh and we're really excited about this we're launching it in october uh in october will be the first meeting that's fantastic what what's it does it have a name or is the name not not disclosed yet yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Tortora Breda Partnership Excellence, and, and the actual URL is tortorabreda.com. Well, great. Well, what we'll do is we'll put a link to that at the at the bottom of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. So, so let me ask you, you know, um, in, in your organization, when you're developing culture, I mean, people can lead from any position, right? Um, what advice would you give to somebody that is younger that wants to lead? I mean, as it, when they're in a you know a, a exponentially growing company like you have, and somebody's there or somebody's in 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 their own company, right? What advice does somebody like you have to give uh, somebody young that that wants to lead? I I think uh, the most important advice I can give is uh, to really believe in yourself, and uh, and and believe that that you've got the smarts to do it. You know, so when you start, and certainly when I started, I had a huge sense of insecurity because I was young and I didn't know stuff, right? right. Um, and you know, sure, you don't have the experience, but um, but at the end of the day, common sense is is actually what prevails. And you've got, you know, people are born with common sense. You either have it or you don't, right? Right. Uh, 
and most people that want to be leaders will have common sense and they have to believe in themselves i think that's really really important when you start off you have there's so many uh like folks around you that will say yeah but hey you know there's already they won't work you, there's already plenty of companies that do that already you know i had that at every stage of my life when i launched the first business hey Ricardo, there's plenty of other companies that do that are you sure you don't want to get a regular job or do something else uh or be a lawyer uh <laughs> that's, that's what i was told right and then uh and i did it and it worked and then when i went to set up my non-profit in africa people were saying well carlo but there's unicef for that there's plenty right. of other organizations that are already doing that what do you know about that business right. you're going to go there and get uh, you know it's not going to work out why, why why bother uh leave it to the professionals and you know what? I never looked back because once I was there on the ground, what I realized is, yes, UNICEF is there. Yes, there is Medicines Sans Frontières. There's a ton of organizations, but they don't, everybody is specialized in their own thing. I was pushing the boundaries. I was working in areas where there is nobody, where there's no, where there was no coverage of NGOs, where there was uh, um, still some armed conflict on the edges of the country on the borderline with Somalia where nobody wanted to go and people were literally starving to death and dying. Mm -hmm. And no, there was no UNICEF, there was nothing over there. Mm -hmm. So I was glad that it went. And so yeah, believe in yourself uh, stubbornly, even when people counsel you against doing something, you know, let, let your own self-confidence prevail. And the other thing I would say to a young person starting is uh, start by yourself, but believe in partnering. Partnerships are everything. Uh, and partnerships will help you grow in confidence. They'll help you grow in stature. They'll help you gain experience quicker. Uh, I, I couldn't be where I am today if, I had, if it hadn't been for partnerships every single step of my life. Uh, and now with Gorilla, uh, you know, we're, we're a pretty mighty company uh, and we grew thanks to partnerships. So yeah, partnering, believe in partnering. That's excellent. Yeah, I, that's mean, good I mean, advice. speaking up is key. I mean, that's something that I always tell kind of our millennial and Gen Z team members here. And whenever we're working on a project or we're rolling something out, I'm always saying like, you, you guys, you have to speak up, right? For first, believe in yourself, trust your gut instinct, right? Yeah. Just because you haven't done it before doesn't mean your idea isn't gonna be great. And secondly, like, please speak up because don't think for a second that we're not gonna take your advice. We very well may listen and adapt everything that you're gonna say. So, yeah. so you know, and, and, and the final thing is, if you don't, then you really can't complain. Like right. if you're seeing yeah. us head right for a wall and you don't say anything and you know we're gonna hit that wall and we hit that wall, then you really can't gripe about it, right? You saw it, you saw the train wreck coming and, and you could have helped and you didn't say anything. It's like, please speak, right. we're all part of a team. And it's kind of your point where you're saying, trust others and partner. Yeah, absolutely. And the, 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 the final thing I want to say, which is just chiming what we, what we mentioned earlier, is uh, believe in your idea. And even if your idea eventually changes, that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Because, yeah. of course, business is an evolution, right? So, you know, you're never necessarily going to crystallize the first ever idea in exactly the format that you dreamt it up. Because things will evolve and let that evolution take place. So don't, don't be afraid. Just go in and start the journey. Yeah, that's exactly right. It almost gets into confirmation bias, right? Because if they if 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 they like feel free to to change your mind based on data, right? Don't don't be stubborn and just stick with one idea 
right? And and just find random pieces of pieces of data that will support that idea, as opposed to what really is the right thing to do or what really is the best thing to do, right? Go with that and be willing to be flexible. Correct. Excellent. Well, as we kind of wrap up this episode, uh, I just I, I can't thank you enough, Carlo, for the inspirational words, the transparency, everything that you've shared with us, and I. Just in closing, I, I always kind of like to ask this at the end, and it's, you know, as, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you see it looking like it does today, or was it something else? Did you want to be an astronaut? Tell me about that. Yeah, that's a nice question. You know, I wanted to be so many things. Uh, I, uh, I wanted to be uh, an inventor. I had a knack for, like, I would invent, like, uh, little uh, uh, slot machines uh, with cardboard and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that kind of stuff. I wanted to be a truck driver. I love the idea of uh, driving big trucks. I've never driven a truck. I wanted to go buy a truck and go drive that. <laughs> Take that off the bucket list. Yeah, I wanted to be a science. Uh, I love science. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I never, you know, I, I never thought that there was uh, that, that this kind of that I could actually end up doing what I'm doing now. And I'm, but I love it. I mean. Uh, I didn't know business, being a business person was so esoteric and abstract, I had no idea what it meant. And it certainly didn't sound interesting, right? <laughs> As a child, right? Yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, I couldn't be happier. Um, uh, really, I am a very happy person. My life is thoroughly fulfilled. Uh, and it keeps on being fulfilled. So the business journey is, is just a great journey where we're going to be launching software that, you know, life goes on and, and it's, and it's, it's fantastic, and and at the end of the day, I'll be able to um, to close the circle and go back to what I was doing before when I left uh, uh, in Ethiopia with no money. Sure. My plan is to go back again, and not 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 just necessarily Ethiopia as such. I mean, now it's like you know the work that we're going to be doing through the think tank eventually is going to lead me to hopefully participate in making the world a better place, and that's that's actually my vocation. Yeah. It's so. Yeah, are you able to? Well, let me ask you this, and I haven't, I haven't asked anybody this yet. It's on our list of twenty questions that we always like to play, but I have never really asked. Are you able to identify what your, what your cause is, what your, what your why, as Simon Sinek would say, is? Wow. Um, you know, that's a that is a huge question, and I love it. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think uh, we're in this. Somehow we're, we're in this for uh, personal growth, I think. You know, there's a personal evolution uh, component to life, which I think is a dominant one. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, as far as we know, we only live this one life. Um, and uh, I, I think it, it just needs to be experienced in, in, in the fullest possible way without limiting yourself, right? I, I think that... Uh, yeah, this is really kind of esoterically speaking. I think that my, my why is kind of really to, you know, like the uh, Greek philosophers would say, to know thyself, right? Know thy sutum, right? Like know thyself. That's exactly right. Yeah, know thyself exactly right. So that's that's the ultimate goal is to know thyself. Everything else is kind of uh, a means to, to that. And, uh, you know, business as well and our life and our families are these are all super important things, um, but they're all parts of, of your journey, of your personal journey. Um, I think at the end of the day, that's that's a big game. The end game is know thyself. 
and I believe that 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 is uh, uh, for all of us, and that's certainly something that I want to achieve uh, in this life. That's amazing. So the ancient Greeks used to say, when somebody would pass, they wouldn't ask, you know, what type of profession they had. They wouldn't ask anything like that. They would ask one question, and it was, "Did he have passion?" Yeah. And the answer, you know. For you is absolutely yeah. I would say like that is so everything you do. You yeah. do in a pure way. Everything you do, you do with a hundred percent, and that's phenomenal. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. It is a pleasure meeting you and speaking with you. We are honored to have you as a guest. Yeah. Thank very much, David and Mark. It's really really nice to meet you both. Yeah. Well, we will be in touch, um, and we look forward to. They um, sent us the links for all of that. We'll put that yeah, in the yeah, head, we right, want to right below, that. and and we will push this out. And um, uh, just once again, we are we are absolutely honored to uh, to uh, have you as a uh, guest today, Carl. Likewise, thank you very much, David and Mark, and uh, hope to uh, meet you in person soon. That would be great. Thank you, sir. Thanks for making the day a little bit better, Carlo. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Mark and I would like to invite you to listen in on our two bonus episodes, a two-part series on the rise and fall of one of the world's most iconic brands. One man's vision where he recognizes the baby boom even before it was a term that was used. He grew an international business that was worth billions of dollars. In just a few years, it is liquidated in bankruptcy. It's not what you think. It's not due to e-commerce or anything like Amazon or other large retailers. Come listen and find out. We promise you won't be disappointed when we discuss the rise and fall of Toys R Us. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening. 